Hi, this is Farah Osbeck. Welcome back to Military and Law Law and Life Matters. I'm happy to be back here continuing on my discharge upgrade series, which also means really changing your discharge characterization or narrative reason. We tend to say, uh, loosely use the words upgrade, but a lot of the time it's not only upgrading, but it's changing the narrative reason, the RE code, et cetera. But we just refer to it as discharge upgrade for some reason. Um, but anyway, yeah, I'm, I have this series. If this is the first time you're listening, make sure to go back to listen to part one. It's a 10-part series that will really kind of go step by step, just give you the basic information on, you know, what, how can you upgrade your discharge? How can you change it? What are the reasons you can? What are the legal bases the discharge review boards and the BCMRs have the ability to change your discharge so kind of went step by step talking about that, talking about the forms. And now we're getting more into an in episode five. We talked about the inequity and the injustice reason that you could change your discharge, you know, if that exists. So listen to that one. Today's episode, I'm going to talk about impropriety or legal error. Again, I mix this up a lot. Honestly, it's, it confuses me as well. But so the discharge review board, they call it impropriety. And then the Board for Correction of Military Records, which you can do anything there, not just upgrade your discharge, but their standard is legal. They call it error. It's basically legal error. So it's the same thing. So this is an ability um, to change a discharge if there was basic an error in your case, a legal issue. I will tell you from the, my experience doing these and seeing them, because I was a board member of, at the Discharge Review Board for the Air Force for three years. I was a senior, senior legal advisor, and I had the privilege of being a board member, seeing all these cases. And, and we really took it quite seriously, looked at these cases very carefully. Um, the point I'm trying to make is those legal errors were, were not very common. I'd say from my experience working there and in my private practice, it's less than 10%. But when there's a legal error, boy, that's a great case to take to a board because it's it's even one that I I, I tell my clients you don't even need to go because we can cite the reg whatever they vi you know was violated. Um, usually, again, it's not very common, but we'll just refer to it for this episode as a legal error. I'm not going to say impropriety so you understand a legal error. So in order to explain that, again, let's say there's no injustice in your case, but if there's a legal error in the Air Force or the Army, Navy, Coast Guard. Uh, Marine Corps, which you know is under the Navy Board, did not follow the proper procedures, and your rights were somehow violated, impacted, and it could have changed the outcome. That's a pretty good reason to change your discharge. So let me try to give you a couple of examples to kind of make it clear. Again, not as common, but they do occur. I've seen them. I have had cases. I argue that, and and uh, but just to let you know, it's not as common as the other, the injustice. So. Let me give you one example. So let's say, um, let's again, I'm going to usually talk about, let's say you're an enlisted member and you were in the army and let's say you were going to be court-martialed for use of marijuana. Your defense counsel talked with the prosecutors and they somehow came up with a pretrial agreement. It's called the PTA, pretrial agreement, where if you agreed to waive your right um, to, to actually not go to a court-martial, and agree to like what's called in there for the chapter four, agree to like waive your rights and basically just agree to a discharge, administrative discharge. You were promised in the PTA that you would get a general discharge under honorable conditions. Okay. So that's what they told you. Okay. We're going to court martial you. But in this case, if you waive your, you know, the court martial and basically waive an administrative 
um, you know, your rights, you will get a general discharge. Then you later find out on your D214, you got an OTH discharge. So it seems like there was some legal error. I'm not sure how they did that PTA, but there was clearly a legal error because you waived your right to a court martial, or you could even say, let's say it was an administrative discharge board. Okay. Maybe the court martial makes it a little bit more confusing. You were going to be discharged at a court martial, I mean, at an administrative discharge board, and you waived your right to a board where you could fight against this and, and you could ask to be retained and, and different things like that. You waived it thinking you're going to get a general. If you had known you would get an OTH other than honorable, you wouldn't have waived it. But you waived it. It's in writing. Their PTA, where they discuss that little agreement, says it clearly. And you're discharged. You get your D214. It says OTH on it. That's pretty good legal error, in my opinion. So that's impropriety, legal error, because you wouldn't have waived your board or court martial or whatever the case may be if you had known you could have gotten an OTH. Uh, because they didn't say you can get a general or an OTH. They said, the Army, Air Force, Navy, whichever the service, they said you're going to get a general under honorable conditions, and you relied on that, right? It's like a contract. You relied on that, waived it, and then you got an OTH. So that's an example of impropriety. That's very clear. And I would think that would be sufficient to waive it at least to a, a general, at least. Um, but that's probably what you deserve, because that's what they promised you. So that is an example. Another example um, I can think of off the top of my head is that, so there's in the Air Force, I'll use an example. There's a, dis, there's a regulation 36-3209 AFI, and it's the regulation that talks about the separation and uh, retirement of National Guard and Reserve members. And in that regulation, so, you know, when Reserve and National Guard members get in trouble, they can get discharged as well. And it, there's a, attachment that talks about your characterization. So, because if you're a reservist and you just show up, you know, two weeks a year on a weekends, et cetera, most of the time you're not on duty. You're not on either active duty or even, you know, your ADT tour. So there's a provision that actually says if you're going to be discharged, it says you, and let's say your discharge is due to something that happened as a civilian, not in the military, not on duty. So it says, use conduct in the civilian community of a member who is not on active duty or at ADT to characterize service as general only if this conduct has an adverse impact on the effectiveness of the Air Force, including morale and efficiency. So it's basically saying if what you did as a civilian, you know, you did it and they don't really want you in the Air Force as a reservist anymore, but it has like no impact, no impact on the effectiveness of the Air Force, the morale efficiency, it pretty much is saying, you know, you shouldn't get a general. Okay, that's one example. And then for the UOTHC paragraph of that regulation, so if you're a reservist and you're not on active duty, not on ADT tour, and you did something as a civilian, it says, again, talking about the conduct in the civilian community, if the member is not on active duty or ADT, maybe, maybe, now here it says, may be used to characterize service as UOTHC only if the conduct directly affects the performance of military duties. It's, okay, so it can, it can be OTH only affects the conduct, uh, performance of military duties. And they give examples. So the examples in the reg are like missing muster. I was <laughs> missing muster. So basically, um, you know, missing muster, not showing up or UTAs, like you're not going to the UTAs. 
So that has an impact on, yeah, you're, it's not really, you're not on duty because you're not showing up. And so they, they give that as an example. Then they say if it involves offenses, which involve a military member or a DOD agency as a victim. So, so if you do something as a civilian, but somehow it impacted a military member or the DOD agency as a victim. So they give those examples. You know, I know when I was on the board, I mean, generally when I used to see these cases for reservists, unless it was like really heinous, a lot of them were generals. I, I rarely saw UOTHCs for reservists. Again, it depends on the offense though. So the typical offenses, even missing the UTAs generally, and I don't know if things have changed, so don't take my word for that. I mean, it, it could be depending how long you've been, you know, not showing up, et cetera. But so anyway, I guess I went into this whole explanation to tell you, again, that's something, if they screw this up, you know, the Air Force, for example, and they characterize you something that's in contravention to this regulation, that's also legal error. And I'll give you one other example that's in, um, you know, it's pretty a common example, but let's say your commander does a commander-directed urinalysis, Okay. The, why would a commander do a commander director of your analysis? Because they don't have probable cause. Because if there's probable cause, you bet they're going to do probable cause. Because probable cause, if you do come up positive for a drug, you can use that in court-martial, discharge, anything. Um, of course, the number one way people want to get a drug test is ask for consent, right? So the first time, if someone were to ask me, if I was a, like a JAG or a prosecutor at a legal office and the commander says, hey, we want to like ask, we want to get this guy's urine sample. We think he's using drugs. Again, as a prosecutor, not a defense counsel, I would say, ask him or her for consent. Because if the person consents, there's no issue. They consent. Um, and basically, if you provide a sample in terms of positive, you can use it for court martial or discharge, et cetera. Okay, getting back to commander-directed, person doesn't consent, there's no probable cause, but the commander really is concerned, the commander feels there's a little bit of some bizarre behavior by this person, and the commander <clears throat> thinks there might be some drug use, again, no probable cause, so they do a command-directed. Guess what? Under a commander-directed urinalysis, you can use it, to, the commander can use it if it co you come up positive for cocaine, marijuana, to discharge you, but they cannot use it for characterization, even general, unless there's something else in your record, general or OTH, but it can be used to discharge someone. So let's say you got a commander directed, your record was like pristine, nothing in your record other than they did a command directed, came up positive for marijuana, and then you got a general discharge. That would be a legal error. So I hope that makes sense. There's just some examples of like legal issues. Again, this like totally relates to the law. It relates to the regulations, a violation of it. And that's why there's an impropriety or legal error in the case. Um, again, not so common, but it does happen. Um, hate to say it, but I see a lot of illegal errors actually on the reserve and national guard side a lot more so, I shouldn't say a lot, but more so than in the active duty, but it does exist. That's why if you're having someone review your records, they need to really carefully look at everything because you can catch some errors that, you know, just people have not noticed. And if you don't know, and if you're not a lawyer or an expert in this, you may not catch that error. So, um, yeah, I guess that's it for this. Actually, this is going to be a shorter little podcast episode six, but I wanted to tell you what a legal error impropriety is. It's something that was not done legally. Um, there's an error and it affected your rights substantially. So less than 10% of the cases I've seen, but it does happen. So look through your 
um, records carefully and there might be some legal error or whoever's helping you, they will look for that or VS, you know, whoever's helping you just make sure they comb through everything in your case, the notification letter, the legal review, everything, the evidence, and you could maybe determine whether there's a legal error or impropriety in your case. And that would be a basis for discharge where if you can just write that very articulately, you, you don't have to show up for board in my opinion, because you just write that down, the legal, the board looks at it and hopefully they concur and they change your discharge. So Anyway, that's going to be it for this episode. Um, I hope that was helpful, and I look forward to talking to you next time. Take care. And remember, never, ever give up because there is always hope.